After a huge comeback victory from the Hawkeye men, the story, what happened? Another collapse from the Hawkeye women. We talk basketball and the weekend that was in Hawkeye athletics all today, Locked on Hawkeye. You are Locked on Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome in. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts, and you can also find us on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Well, we got a lot of basketball to get into here today. We open things up with the men's team after their epic comeback victory. Second, second largest in Carver Hawkeye Arena history in the comeback win against Minnesota. And then we will get into what happened with the women. A fourth quarter collapse, chasing a record, but not the best instance there. Plus, a little bit of extra in the post game. We will talk about that here today. Plus, on Friday night, the wrestling team well went as anticipated in a loss as they were blown out by Penn State. Highs, lows, we got it all today. Locked on Hawkeyes. But we open things up. Let's go on the positive note first. And that is the comeback victory for the men against Minnesota. 92 85 is the final in this one. A three at the horn gets Minnesota inside the number if you were grabbing those five and a half points. Hand raised. Yes, I was right there with it. But let's talk about the game. And now I were right away in the basketball game. They get down early. And it is one of those performances where it felt like they're going to get run out of the gym. A 13 to 2 run early. They're down 13 to 6. Battle back at a couple of other portions and then give up another big run. I mean, giving up a combined, a 13 to 2 run and a 12 to 1 run against this Minnesota team, 25 to 3 in those two runs. They're outscored in the game. Owen Freeman was very good early on. Uh, his dominations, you saw Garcia. There are times Garcia, as he banged up that ankle, he wanted nothing to do with Owen Freeman. And today we find out on Monday that he is named the freshman of the week in the Big Ten for the eighth time so far this season. I mean, you talk about a building block and obviously what they have with Owen Freeman. 17 and 14 in the game, the physical manhandling that he was doing inside, not just against Garcia, he was also doing it against Fox. He was just so good. And the talent that's on him, you know, I think one of the plays that you talk about, obviously the dunks inside a couple of times with a hand in his face and he doesn't care. He just goes up and flushes that thing home. He loses a tooth in one of the scrambles and yet still out there playing throughout the course of this one. But it was late in the first half as Iowa is down double digits. Oh boy, this is going to be potentially ugly. And he makes a play, gets a steal, gets the run out and finishes on the play. You just don't see big guys that are able to do that. And, when you continue to see this is a guy that still feels like he's just scratching the surface of his upside, right? There's going to be a lot more there. It's halftime. You come out and then just more of the same down 59, 42, 62, 42 is their biggest deficit of the game. They're down 20 points with 15, 16 minutes left in the ball game. And then the onslaught began and they go on a run to get back into the game and then overcome it. Maybe it was, it was a team effort which is great to see because so many times we've talked about 
this basketball team and what they need to do and what's been happening through the course of the year. It's been a whole lot of Tony Perkins. He was good once again. 18.6 rebounds, four assists. He had three steals, a couple of block shots. I mean, doing everything, just stuffing the stat sheet and kept the turnovers down. Just two turnovers in the game. Just four or seven on the floor, but got to the free throw line 13 times, hit 10 of those as well. Peyton Sanford didn't shoot it great for his standard. Just two of eight from downtown, still finishes the game with 21 points in a game where he was not shooting the ball well from the outside. He found different ways to get in. You saw Iowa a lot during that comeback and throughout the course of the second half. A lot of teams, you fall in love. At times you fall in love with a three-point shot, right? When you're trying to get back in the game, the only way to do it is with three-pointers. You see teams fall into that trap. That wasn't the case here. It was about turning the corner. It was getting into the paint. It was hitting pull-ups, those kind of things. And that's how Iowa got back into this basketball game. Uh, Josh Dix, and I continue to say he needs to be more aggressive. You know, the stat sheet doesn't line up with a great game. He had four points, two rebounds, didn't have an assist in the game, no steals, no blocks, but he was just heady. Right time, a lot of times, need to continue to get more aggressiveness from him. Didn't even take a three-point shot. They need his shooting. They're 5 of 15 from downtown. Look, in the first half of the game, Minnesota shooting the ball that they were. It was unsustainable, and you thought they were going to have a run, and it took a while for that run to get going, but it was one of those performances where you felt like Iowa could get back in the game. It just took so dang long for it to happen that it had that feeling that it wasn't going to. Ultimately, it did. And finally, Patrick McCaffrey. Much maligned Patrick McCaffrey, including from this circle right here. And we've talked about what he has been through, going back to his adolescent days and what he went through with the cancer treatment, the mental pause a year ago, an ankle injury this year. He just, he hasn't been completely right. And there are times that he seemed detached and out of it. But starting late in that game against Ohio State a couple of Fridays ago, and he hits the free throws that ultimately win the game for Iowa. We've seen more from him. And that's important because this team isn't talented enough that they can get away from one of their at least more talented guys not playing even at an okay basis. And for a long time, that was not Patrick McCaffrey. But what he has done, his ability to do some different things to help them out, not just as a scorer. Because at six foot nine, he needs to help out on the glass. He needs to be able to make a good pass. He's got good vision for a big guy. Not dribbling into trouble, not making the mistakes that have plagued him throughout this season. You need more from him. Now, 21 points, obviously you'd sign up for that every single time, but some feel-good moments for Patrick McCaffrey and a guy and a team that definitely needs those kind of moments. Also interesting, speaking off the bench, that was really it. Now, Price Sanford had a three in the game. Bowen just plays four minutes for DeSante Bowen, two minutes for Dembale, and uh, one minute for Brock Harding. So kind of interesting. And they went a lot with the lineup that had Owen Freeman in the middle, and then they had Sanford, Perkins, Dix, and McCaffrey out there that was a five that saw a majority of the playing time, that group of five, and it worked. And maybe that's another button that Fran's going to be able to push going forward. Like, in the grand scheme of things, does this change our perception of what I was going to be? No. I think the likely scenario is you're playing for a bit in the NIT. That's the most realistic scenario. What they have in front of them, these final seven games of the regular season. At Maryland, toss-up game, road game, they got you. You got revenge on your mind, perhaps but it's going to be a tough one on the road against a pretty average Maryland team, but a toss up. All of a sudden that Wisconsin game at Iowa looks a lot more winnable than it did just two weeks ago. Losses piling up for Wisconsin. They're not playing good basketball. You get them in Carver. Yes, we know it's been not exactly a great place for Iowa against Wisconsin throughout the years, but you get that one at home. The next two at Michigan state and Illinois, <laughs> Michigan state, 
the computers like him more than what you see on the floor. Still, it's a talented team. At Illinois, good luck. You get Penn State after that, finish up at Northwestern, and then home for Illinois. So when you look at this seven-game stretch, what are they going to have to do to even have consideration to be a tournament team come the Big Ten tournament? Now, of course, you can win the Big Ten tournament, and it's all for naught. But sitting right now at 14-10 and 10 on the season, you're 6-7 and seven in the Big Ten. And we can lament the losses to Michigan and Maryland at Indiana. I think those are the ones that sting. Even the road trip to Penn State, that was one that was there for the taking. They weren't able to make it happen. But in order for them to realistically even be in the conversation once we get to the Big Ten tournament, they're probably going to have to go 5-2. and 5-2 and two the rest of the way. That would put them in the Big Ten with 11 victories, 11-9, and nine, a winning conference record in a down Big Ten this year. That would get them also at 19 and 12 going into it. And then you could talk about this team without a bad loss in the tournament, having a really good chance. Are they going to be able to do it? Look, we've seen nothing consistency wise that leads you to believe that this team is going to be able to do that, that they're going to be able to play at that kind of level and do those kind of things to be an NCAA tournament team. But at least for another couple of days, we got hope, right? And that's all we can ask for. It went the other way late in the game for the Iowa women. What a collapse in the fourth quarter again. The record was on the precipice for Caitlin Clark. She didn't get there. She didn't get there because the team played tight. They didn't play well. Some coaching decisions to question, plus a little bit of extra. We'll talk about that as we continue. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Myself, as a small business owner, finding right people for different roles, it can be incredibly difficult. If you get the right resumes, how do you find the right hires? We don't have a PR firm. We don't have somebody that can make those kind of hires. It's just you as a small business owner. So many times it makes it incredibly difficult. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy to do. LinkedIn knows that small businesses, you're wearing so many hats, you might not have the time or the resources to make the right hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Trent kind of back with you once again on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. All right. So as we go through this, let's get into the women. It was an incredibly frustrating game throughout the fourth quarter. So we said before the game, Nebraska's all right. This is an okay team. They're not an elite level team. They sit right now 27 in the net, uh, 54 in the RPI, 16 and 8 overall. It was of the remaining road games, relatively difficult, but still got to go to Indiana, still got to go to Minnesota late in the season. You see them cruising along, right? And that third quarter, as they started to pull away from Nebraska, it felt like, all right. And then something happened as Caitlin Clark was sitting at 31 points in the game and being eight points away from breaking the record the all-time scoring record, something changed. 
It was odd to me going back to the game against Penn State when Iowa wins 111 to 93. All the field goods coming out of that one. It struck me as odd that Lisa Bluter mentioned that, yeah, they'd love her to break the scoring record in Carver Hawkeye Arena. And not because it's not true. Of course, you'd like to see that and for the fan base, but just speaking it into existence, it's odd. You just don't see coaches do that very often. And I thought Caitlin Clark played timid in the fourth quarter, was not the aggressive player that we are used to, that they were looking up at that scoreboard and playing not to lose and having somebody else step up and try to win that basketball game, and they just weren't able to make it happen. 10-32 to 32 from downtown. 9-15 of 15 from the free throw line. Two misses in a row from Caitlin Clark. Now, there potentially was a reason for that, as Nebraska was playing music during those timeouts, something that is a no-no. This is not the NBA. In fact, in the NBA, you're not allowed to do that. But it was allowed here. Uh, all right, little game and chip, no big deal. After the game, there's more we'll get into, but I just can't get over that fourth quarter. I can't get over the way that they played. Look, you go back to the last loss that they had, in the overtime loss to Ohio State. It got away from them late in that game. And it was more than anything, a player making plays, right? And Nebraska, yes, they made plays themselves. And it's not to discredit Nebraska for what they did. Congratulations to those ladies. I mean, that's a huge victory for them and their program very well solidifies themselves in an NCAA tournament team. That's a huge resume win for them and puts them back in on the right side of the NCAA tournament bubble and gives them a really good chance of being in and hear their name called on Selection Sunday. Great for them. And they made plays. But I also missed plays. And it was just the way that it played out struck me as incredibly odd. It was a weird game, an odd game in that fourth quarter, getting outscored 27 to 10, not being able to get stops on one end of the floor, and then not being able to score. 0 of 6 shooting from Caitlin Clark. A late in the game, instead of you know setting something up, trying to get a quick two and play the foul game, they didn't do that. A settling for a deep three-pointer. It just it wasn't what we're used to for Iowa. So do we connect this with the loss to Ohio State and say, this team in fourth quarter, they're having some struggles. I mean, even go back to the loss earlier this season when they lost at the hands to Kansas State. Here are the box scores from those three games. Against Kansas State, at home in the fourth quarter, get outscored 23 to 14 against Ohio State in the fourth quarter, get outscored 25 to 18. And then yesterday, outscored 27 to 10. One thing that you'll see on both of those, both the defense wasn't very good, giving up 25 points in a 23 or more points in all of them, but the off- offense also went into the tank. Now, they did it without Molly Davis, and her importance cannot be overstated. Look, if you would have told me coming into the year that Molly Davis was going to be this important to this Iowa basketball team, I would have called you crazy. When we saw her a year ago, she played a little bit, a couple minutes here and there, maybe in each half. She'd get five to eight minutes a game, but she certainly didn't look like to be a difference maker. She looked to be somebody that could help out and give a blow to your starters, but that was it. But she has become so important. Not only her ability to run the point, give Caitlin a little bit of time, have her running off screens, doing things that way, but also her off the bounce. I mean, she's one of the few players on this roster that can beat t- players off the dribble. Kate Martin absolutely can do it. That's not Gabby Marshall's game. That's not Hannah Stolke's game at this point, though she has certainly the athleticism to do it. There are other components that you look at and say, yeah, they should be able to. We haven't seen it from Fearbach at this point. We haven't seen it from the backup posts. It's, that's one of the few. And because of that, her not being out there 
certainly was impactful in this game. And more important than I certainly thought. Two minutes in the game is all for Molly Davis. You need her back. You need her right. Now, it's going to set up a culmination on Thursday night with Caitlin Clark breaking the all-time scoring record. It'll likely happen early in that game. They'll probably pause, give her some kind of honor, and that's all well and good. But she's going to get it, right? I mean, it goes without saying that she's going to get the record, and that's going to go. Uh, but a missed opportunity. And as you're fighting right now, when you look at your tournament resume, and you kind of look at the top of the sport at this point, the teams that are top. We know South Carolina is going to be the overall number one seed. And then you got a bunch of resumes that are very similar right now. Iowa, Stanford, Texas towards the top, UCLA, even as they've fallen on hard times, LSU, they're going to have a say for it. Of course, Ohio State, if the Buckeyes win the regular season crown coupled with winning the Big Ten tournament, they could be in the conversation for a number one seed. You got Kansas State, obviously has that win earlier this year against Iowa. Uh, they've lost, they had a loss a couple of in a row earlier to Oklahoma and Texas, but bounced back and got a win. There's still a lot of teams in contention. To me, it's not about losing a number one seed. You just want to stay away from South Carolina in the bracket. I mean, the gap between them, and yes, I know, last year we said the same things, and the gap between South Carolina and Iowa and everybody else last year was significant in women's college basketball, and it's the same this year. However, with what they have, a little extra chip on their shoulder, I mean, look at what they did to UConn yesterday. This South Carolina team, Boy, they are just taking all comers and absolutely dominating an 18-point win against UConn in a game that wasn't even that close. I mean, they were up in that game 25 points going into the fourth quarter against a very good and talented UConn team. Will South Carolina lose a game the remaining way? They go to Tennessee this week. Not a vintage ball team. They got road trips to Kentucky, who stinks. Arkansas, probably not. They get Tennessee one more time at home. They play Alabama at home. Likelihood's not good and high. Maybe LSU gets them in the SEC tournament, but they're going to be the number one. That's what you're working for, staying away from South Carolina. That's the name of the game. A frustrating end. And also, there is more to the story. So after the game, as is custom in the Big Ten, and protocol states that the visiting team will be the one that goes to the podium first. When we have the post-game press conference, the visitors go up there first. Well, it took a while for Iowa to get there. This happens from time to time, usually after tough losses. This is what you see, sometimes after big wins. But for the most part, I'm going to guess the conversation was not exactly fun in the Iowa locker room afterwards. Uh, after the Kansas State game, saw that Lisa Bluter uh, heard that she had to have a conversation with her squad about you know, it's what happens on the floor during the 40 minutes. And it's not about... NIL, and all the extras. It's about playing well during these games. I don't know if it was one of those conversations or if it was concern about a record as opposed to winning a basketball game. Though that's the way that it appeared, unfortunately, on Sunday afternoon. But they were in there a long time. That's okay. Nebraska went up to the podium. Lisa Bluter was hot under the collar. And I think more than anything, look, it was a loss, right? If Iowa wins this game, Lisa Bluter's not causing a stink with the SID from Nebraska. That's not going to happen. It just isn't. Something might be said. Something might be brought up about the music playing during free throws, but it's a different type of conversation. But she called it BS, and it is. There's protocol for a reason. I know Nebraska was very willing to depart and get off the dais and step aside for the press conference. 
I know they're excited, and they should be. They're excited for the win and want to talk to it about talk about the game with the media. I get all that. There's protocol for a reason. Nebraska didn't follow it. I wasn't happy. This isn't Iowa being crybabies. This isn't Iowa not being able to handle defeat. They've handled defeat incredibly well in the past. This is frustration. We'll see if this boils over. We'll see what it leads to going forward. The schedule sets up in a way where Iowa has a lot still in front of them, and they absolutely can play themselves back to be the number one seed. Look, if they go and get wins against Indiana and Ohio State, and they run the table the remainder of the way, likely they're a number one seed regardless of what happens in Minneapolis for the Big Ten tournament. They're going to put themselves in a position where the resume is going to be right there to do that. That put them at 28-3 and before the Big Ten tournament even begins. They're going to be in really good shape. But I get the frustration. And there should be frustration. We'll see how this plays out. Keep an eye on that. Well, speaking of bad, it was also bad for the wrestling team. It was not a great performance against Penn State. A blowout loss to the Nittany Lions inside a Carver-Hawkeye arena. And questions, what is the future of Iowa wrestling? We'll tackle that when we come back here. Locked on Hawkeyes. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, the future menu, and a whole lot more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Trent Conda back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. All right, let's get into it and uh, talk about the performance at Carver on Friday night from the wrestling team. Look, it was ugly. There's no two ways about it. And though we anticipated that was going to be the case, that it was going to be incredibly difficult for Iowa to find a way to get a victory against this very talented Penn State team. Look, as we talked last week, Penn State at this point in time, they're talking about potentially breaking the scoring record at NCAAs. For anybody to track them down, look, there are some years where we know they're the overwhelming favorite. And that's what Penn State has been and what they have developed into and what they've been consistently now for a decade plus. However, there are times where you can come up with a path. Look, some of their number one guys are going to have to get knocked off. You're going to need some upsets. Some of their guys that you think maybe can vie for All-American status, they need to step off the podium, need a lot of different things. And then, of course, your team had to wrestle incredibly well. You can't come up with that now. You just can't. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion that Penn State is going to win the 2024 National Championships. And you can argue and you can try to come up with ways, short of something catastrophic happening to the Nittany Lion program, it's not going to happen. They are winning the National Championship. What does it mean for Iowa? We did the song and dance with the Ferraris. And though the youngest Ferrari is still committed and signed at the University of Iowa, what happens with AJ? You know, do you have to sell your soul in a way in order to track down Penn State? Well, look, Iowa would have won it in 2020. They would have won two of the last four NCAAs. So it's not that it's impossible because it's not. But you not need a whole lot. You look at the style, and you look at the way that Penn State wrestles, and it reminds you of the old vintage Iowa wrestling style, right? The aggressiveness, the ability to score, 
to be the aggressor and get the takedowns. And we just haven't seen a ton of that. You know, does it go back to brands? You wouldn't think so. That's certainly not his style, not what he was as a wrestler, not what he is as a personality for Tom Brands and Terry Brands. Is it deeper in the assistance with Morningstar and Telford? Neither of those guys exactly had the most aggressive styles of wrestling, I think is fair to say. Can you point that direction? Do they need new blood? Do they need to look at the assistance that they're bringing in? Do they need to look at the way that they recruit? No, as we saw Penn State years ago, bringing in these elite level guys and at the time when the scholarship limits mattered with 9.9 scholarships for collegiate wrestling, they're going out and spending a lot of that money on the big stars. And then it's a little pittance for the rest of the guys, but that's how they built their roster. Now it's different in today's NIL environment. And we'll see with the new wrestling facility, and that's something that's going to lead to a spike in recruiting. But ultimately it's about Jimmy's and Joe's. It's about getting those elite level guys and what they can do in the NCAAs, winning a national championship, coupled with the bonus points that you go. The equation's a lot different than it was in the Gable days. The equation's a lot different than it once was in college wrestling. Is Iowa equipped to do that? I hear a lot more people saying, maybe it's a time for a change. I'm not ready to go there. I think that is too crazy. Let's see what happens and if there is a spike in recruiting because of what they can do with, obviously, with NIL. Iowa should be able to spend as well as anybody, maybe short of Penn State, and they bridge the gap. But as we saw on Friday night, the gap was significant. Got off to a great start. Drake Ayala getting the win. Got some excitement there. Um, Rail Woods, another loss for him after getting pummeled the previous Friday against Michigan, coming off the flu. Uh, Ratchy, really good to see him get the victory at 149, but that was it. And two wins in 10 matches against Penn State. Fortunately, that's kind of where we are today. Well, ending with some frustration, we are going to begin tomorrow and the rest of the week talking a lot of football. Speaking of our friends at FanDuel, they have released the over-under win total for the Hawkeyes next season at 7.5. We will talk about that. Talk about Tim Lester, what he's doing to implement some things and getting that offense hit the ground running by the time we get to spring practice. We will talk about that. Hope to track down business week. Also, of course, talk to our guy, LaShawn Daniels, as we do each and every time. We got you covered. Your team every day. That's what we do here on the Lockdown Network. And Hawkeyes with myself, Trent Condon, each and every day. Lockdown has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And now you can find it on Amazon Fire TV. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown plus our national shows covering every league. Find the Locked On Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire TV. We'll be back with you tomorrow with the more Locked On Hawkeyes. Until then, go Hawks.